Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening, everyone. Good evening to you listeners out there. Thank you for tuning into our program. It's exactly two minutes past to seven, and you tune into Vibe FM. We're broadcasting on 88.1. My name is Tapa Mohapi, and today is the Law Focus. Now, our show, the Law Focus, is aimed at uh, dealing with legal issues, and our objective is to inform you and um, and give you some information about your legal rights as the listener. Uh, while we're discussing it and we're trying to make sense of current uh, and very important sort of legal topics uh, that we are faced with today as a country and as a society. Uh, At the moment, I mean, it's the 3rd of September and already uh, September feels like it's been a very long month. I mean, the things that are going on right now in South Africa, we've been hit by an outbreak of attacks on migrants from other African countries. Uh, a spate of violence has broken out in the suburbs, the southern suburbs of, of Johannesburg, um, the central business districts of Pretoria and Johannesburg. Uh, more than 50 shops uh, owned both locally and by foreign nationals have been looted and destroyed. Uh, and people reported have been reportedly been attacked, injured, cars have been torched, and l- widespread looting. People saw me taking what they want, where they want, in the name of a protest march. In the midst of this chaos, the Gauteng Premier Makura has warned that he will not hesitate to deploy the army to areas uh, in the province plagued by xenophobic attacks and looting. Uh, he made these comments earlier today in the uh, township of Alexandra, which is a little bit north of here. Uh, and, and in that um, township, that's Alex, uh, there was looting and rioting carrying on today. I don't like to call it protest marches because this is not a protest, this is rioting. And even some stores were set alight again. Now, as if that, the xenophobic attacks, the rioting, the looting isn't enough. On top of that, we have got, you know, what can only be called femicide, the systematic murdering of women and children. The country is reeling in shock after the brutal rape and killing of a UCT student, on Friday at a post office. Uh, the murder of a famous boxer, up-and-coming boxer, uh, Leandre uh, Yechels. Uh, she was shot by her boyfriend, who was a policeman. He subsequently died from injuries sustained in the motor collision while he was being chased. Now, all these events beg big the question, should the South African government declare gender-based violence a state of emergency? I mean, it's a real, real issue. Now, it's not something that we can really run away from or even pretend it doesn't happen in front of us. And it, it's happening here and now. I mean, we're seeing it all the time. Just remember, you tuned into Low Focus on VOW FM 88.1. I'm Tep Mohapi and I'll be hosting you tonight. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and keep the conversation going. You can use the hashtag LawFocus. It's at VowFM. That's the hashtag LawFocus. And our podcasts are available at EINO.FM. Let's see. Let's take a look now at what's been happening through the week in our voxes. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFM88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Yeah, definitely. It should be made an emergency. It should have been a state of emergency like a while ago. I don't know why we had to wait for more and more violence in order for us to like realize that 
like women unsafe in this country like we're not and if we can come up with like like tangible solutions that are actually going to help and it's not just going to be like things in the air then that would just be great you know like you want to feel safe when you leave your house as a girl like you want to know and be sure that i'm going to leave and i'm going to come back so if this state of emergency is kind of going to help society treat women with more respect and you know why not so yeah definitely it should be a state of emergency it's been a state of emergency so at least you know it's being declared one or it should be declared one quite soon uh gender-based violence definitely has to be declared a state of emergency and um the kind needs to look into not protecting perpetrators so much because as far as the systems that have been placed are looking far they are not really protecting victims rather they are protecting perpetrators so i believe that there should be harsher laws and uh, we should stop caring about the human rights of people who don't have any rip for women you understand um the harsher laws they should carry sentences with more extreme um consequences if let's say if the dna evidence found say rape kit um and like dna evidence were like 99.99 sure then there should be like a solid confinement um i think south africa should declare a state of emergency for gender based violence because it is every day to find that women and children actually being affected by issues of rape and murder. Every day, every month actually should always be a women's month. We should always focus on women's issue only in all because it's women's month. Every day should be a day for us to recognize, discuss, and to find means, ways to combat issues of gender basins. It is not fair that potential young people who have potential to change their lives, people potential to do something different, to make a difference in their community, have to be affected by issues of gender-based violence. Every day, a woman is raped, a woman is killed by her partner, her uncle, some random stranger, it has to end. I mean, how many more women? Uyinene, Karabo, so many have been burnt alive. So many have fallen at the hands of men. And these men live amongst us. You know, it is the most craziest thing a woman can do is walk down the street. The craziest thing you can do is be in a public space alone. You can't wear miniskirts, you can't wear short because some man feels entitled to your body. No, it has to end. Yeah, that was some, some, some really touching stuff. That's how you, our listeners, feel about whether um, gender-based violence should be declared a state of emergency. And, and some of those voice notes were really heart-tugging because you can, you can feel, you can hear the 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 fear the discomfort the um the absolute terror at some stages in people's ways for simple things like walking down the street now to further discuss this with uh, with us we've invited uh, miss nontlandla oskosana from the songe justice center to help us uh, to, let's unpack this, this 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 topic and and really the things that are going on in our country remember that you can join our conversation at VowFM, that's on Twitter, at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus, also the hashtag VowTurns9, normal spelling for all of them. Um, let's get straight to it now.
hello miss kosan hello uh evening and evening to your listeners and uh, justice not sunk it in the center oh I, i beg your pardon okay Sonke Gender Justice. Sonke Gender My apologies, sorry. I had written that down. Actually, I don't know why I said, <laughs> I said it the wrong way. Yeah, but okay. Um, it is now Sonke Gender Justice. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. You're speaking to Tapu Mohapi. Um, over the last 24 hours, we, we, we've been really rocked by the things that have been happening in, in South Africa. We have, I think, five women who have been reported murdered and a little girl who was kidnapped and then thrown out into the middle of the street in the night. Um, do you think the country is responding adequately or appropriately to the real dire situation that we're faced with? Um, we, we, we're still not happy about the manner in which the government is responding to gender-based violence in this country because mm. one, we've engaged the government for the past, past five years that we need a national strategic plan as a country, but also we don't just need a, strategy, a national strategic plan. We need it to be costed and funded. So what the, co- the commitment that we got from government is is, is to appoint uh, the, the, the steering committee that will work on the, on the, on the NSP after the gender-based violence uh, um, a summit. But then we, we haven't had any commitment regarding the finances that needs to make sure that this national strategic plan is, 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 is working because mm. we know that as a country, the KPMG report told us that uh, this country is, is spending more than 42 billion rands per year in trying to deal with gender-based violence. So we are saying we need to make sure that these resources are used in a manner that would benefit the survivors, of which at the present moment it doesn't do that. Mm, mm. Is I mean, it, when you speak about uh, finances, is, is this is this a lot of money that we're asking for uh, to to enable us to deal with this issue? Is I mean, what kind of figures do are we talking? We 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 talking because that is why we say this NSP needs to be to be costed and it it, it needs to be funded. When we can start costing it, mm. then we would know how much that we definitely need as a country, and compared to what we are spending, the 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 belief is we we might need lesser than what we are spending as a country. At the moment, but also what is more critical is where and how. What are the results of using the money? We see at the present moment that we don't see positive results. We see this challenge of gender-based violence. You know, it becomes worse and worse, and survivors are not getting services. We have what we call the Tutuzela Care Centers, which are one-stop facilities for survivors of gender-based violence and and, and domestic violence. Mm. Those centers, as I'm speaking to you, some of them are closing down. Some of them are under-resourced. And what does that say to us? It says we are not victim. Our 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 approach is not victim centered. Yes. We we don't really provide survivors what they need. Mm. But also we're not having uh, funding programs that are trying to prevent gender based violence rather than just responding to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and, and now, femicide and gender-based violence, and I don't mean to be insensitive when I ask this, but in South Africa, it really isn't new. It's tragic, it really is, but 
It is something that happens every single day in this country. At the moment, yes, it's taking a great deal of, of prominence and center stage, and it should. Uh, but it does happen every day. We're only three days outside of August, which is Women's Month, and we still have these sort of outrageous things happening. Where is it that it doesn't feel as though we are moving in a direction that is positive? Uh, do you do do you think you could explain why? Where are where where are we deficient as a society now? I think, you know, we, we, we really need to deal with, with the root causes of, of gender-based violence. How we socialize our boys, how our men are the men in, in the world, in fact. Because this is not just a South African problem. Yeah. As much as we've got the high rate of homicide in, our, in this country, which is five times the global average. The way Ooh, we as much as as much as that, five times the global average. Yes, yes. Okay. So the way... Boys are socialized, and and in a manner that they 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 are socialized as if they are superior than women. Mm. You know, there are people who have power over the bodies of women. They can decide. They can police the women's bodies, and that also talks to our the manner in which, as a country, we use violence. Because the researchers are giving us reports that, you know, the chances of 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 a person who is 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 is, is growing um, uh, around the uh, violent area, uh, chances that that person could be violent in future are very high. Yeah. So we need to deal with these issues at the family level. You know, as uh, families... You mean when people are being raised, uh, when yes. young men are growing up on that level? Yes. yes. And, 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 and also, you know, to, to call it out when it happens in the family, we know that mo most of the sexual violence against women and children are, are, are happening in, in our own homes. Yes. You know, we know that we've got cases of uncles, of brothers, of grandfathers who are sexually abusing young women in, in, in that space. We know the level of, of, of HIV in our country among adolescents. And the research shows that those young women are being sexually violated by older men because I cannot say they're having sex with them, but they're sexually violated by older men. And yeah. what are we saying as, as, as families? We are quiet. We don't want to, to, to put... Um, you know, and then as communities, we protect the perpetrators. And every time when there is these cases, most people who are being talked about, who are being named, are survivors, but not perpetrators. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, I mean, that's true. In your experience, uh, I mean, I, I don't need you to pull out any stats or anything like that, but in your experience, does class or income Affect because there's this idea that sort of this is more of a rural problem, this is more of a township problem, this is more of a poor problem than it is an educated, urban, uh, wealthy problem. When I'm talking about gender based violence and is it is there any truth to that myth? Because a lot of people will somewhat consign it to the rural areas or to the township or to the poor areas. Is there any correlation between the the uh, propensity towards violence and those factors? Gender based violence cuts across. We 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 had during the funeral of um, the doctor who she was a businesswoman and his sister saying, you know, she was physically abused by the husband, as educated as she was, 
Yes, this is two weeks ago you are talking about. Hey. Yes. yes, yes. But the reality is those who are more vulnerable are the poor, are the ones who don't have access to services. Because, you know, if you're in urban areas, you've got access to the police. But when you're in rural areas, how far is the police station? Yeah, so no, the perpetrators know very well that I can go and, you know, go and manage to do this, but also survive at the end of the day. I, w- I would never be caught as, as, as a perpetrator. Chances that I could go to jail are very minimal. But also, in terms of the uh, the culture, to say if it is something that is happening within the family or within the marriage, yes. it takes much time for a woman in rural areas to report that case or even to talk about it. But mm. in areas where services are available, support is available, these things are talked about and called out on a day-to-day basis, it's easy for them to, to report. So maybe that is why it seems as if it is more worse in areas where people are poor and they are vulnerable yes. because they of lack of services and lack of support. Right. But, but but the reality is this, this happens in Santon, it, it happens in Soshanguva, it, hap- it happens it everywhere. It happens in the U.S. Yeah, it happens in the U.S., it happens in Australia. Yeah. For a fact that we have very prominent women who came out in, more especially the hashtag Me Too campaign, where they came being sexually violated yes. by a senior person in the country, and this is what is happening. So it cuts across. Yeah, no, that's true. And and now, when we are in South Africa, we often have this this sort of reaction to a scenario and it's almost knee-jerk for instance we have a petition that has been signed to get the death penalty back and i think the target was about three hundred thousand, and it's over two hundred and fifty thousand now and it's a display of the extent to which people are frustrated with the system they're frustrated with law enforcement they're frustrated with the courts uh, and they're saying but Perhaps the death penalty should be brought back. But this is a conversation we always have when there's a violent act, there's a violent murder, there's a violent rape. This is what always happens. Do you think these kinds of efforts are helpful? Do you think they will be fruitful in the long term dealing with the issues? I think it's important that when you try to resolve a challenge or a problem, you don't create another one. We know what happened previously in our country when that sentence was was still existing. You know, innocent people would die and you could not reverse it. And remember in this space, we're talking around issues of preventing violence. So we cannot promote violence against other human beings. And more especially, we know what our constitution is all about. So if we need to have solutions, we need to have solutions that will be long-lasting, that will never have a negative impact in our communities. And we need to have solutions that, you know, we know for sure that they would give us positive results in dealing with this issue. Coming together as, 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 as a community in South Africa, it's very important. Mm. It is very important that we sign petition and engage the government. It is unfortunate that our government doesn't want to listen. And what worries most is is, 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 is the fact that it seems as if they're living in another world. It, it, now recently, the, the Minister of, 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 of Women was, was talking about what, what kind of services they are providing, you know, yes. which are there, but the reality is survivors are not happy about those services. Mm. And, are, are, and are they accessible? Evaluate them. Yeah. Even if they're ex- accessible, mm. is it the quality 
of services that the survivors are supposed to get. Because when you say to me there's a police station, I have to go open the case. And then I go there to open the case, then I'm secondarily victimized by the same police person. You know, yeah. so issues of the quality of, 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 of services that is provided to us as South Africans, it's very important. Yes, they are putting a lot of resources into it. They are training police on these issues of gender-based violence. If, if they can tell you how many courses they've, they've undergone, there's so much. But the attitude... That's it, the attitude is a serious problem because sure. the attitude of our, 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 our police, some of the social workers and other officers... If it nurses themselves and doctors, it is a big challenge. Right. Now, um, if, if, you, if you just joined us, you're listening to VAR FM 8.1, you're listening to Tap Map, and we're talking about gender-based violence and femicide. Speaking to Ms. Kosana from Sonke Gender Justice. Uh, Ms. Kosana, before I let you go, I have a strong opinion, but I think I'll reserve it for a little bit later in the show. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I told you I'm a practicing attorney, so I'm in court quite often. And I want to know, in your experience, whether the, you believe the court system, in your experience, has it been a useful uh, ally in the fight against gender-based violence, or has it been a stumbling block? We've seen a slight change uh, during the past few years, even you know this year, regarding how they deal with cases of gender-based violence. We, we've seen you know, some positive results. But there is still some gap in that. But also, you know, just talking to courts only, it's, it's, it's important. But you've got the critical, the whole thing, our investigating officers, because they're the ones who are gathering evidence. They're the ones who are engaging with, with the perpetrators and the survivors. And if their cases are not strong enough to go to court, and even if they are in, 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 in those courts, but they are not strong enough. So, you know, the survivors, they're not going to, to, to get justice. So it becomes a bit difficult when you sit in those courts and you listen, you know, in terms of the evidence that is put across to the judge. It, it puts this judge in a very um, challenging space, you know, yeah. to, to make a decision. But also working with the persecutors is very important that, you know, we wish they could also do their job. They, they, they need to be able to engage with the survivors and their families because if they don't, then it becomes a problem. And we know that the NPA has an application to make sure that these cases are dealt with in, 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 in a very uh, correct way. But we're saying we, we see a bit of a change, but there is still a lot to be done. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree with you. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the topic, even though the topic is not a pleasant one. It's one that needs to be discussed. Uh, it's a conversation that we need to have over and over and over again until uh, we start to make some sense of this situation. And we would appreciate if men can just stop raping and killing women because if they can just stop it, we could save a lot of resources. We wouldn't have, you know, this kind of a challenge. And then men must really, you know, take the responsibility and stop blaming the survivors and the victim. Because most of the time, you would find out, they would ask, why was she there? Women must try to work together. Women must try to be in the safe space. Yeah. We cannot live our lives like that. If they can just stop doing it, everything would be fine for us. Yeah, I mean, one of our Voxy... Um, um, um 
uh, or speakers indicated that you know, uh, you know, walking down the road is 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 hazardous. And as a man, I can tell you, I've never felt that walking down the road is hazardous. I can walk in Bromfontein at 11 o'clock. What I might get, I might get mugged, but not because I'm a man. I'll get mugged because maybe I've got a nice phone, but I won't get mugged because I'm a man. And that's a very, very mm. scary thought. It, it really is. Um, but we really appreciate your, um, your coming to speak to us today. Uh, how can um, people who'd like to get involved, people who'd like to uh, perhaps uh, make contact with you, how can they do so and where? They can go to www.genderjustice.org.za. They will get all the plat- social platforms that Sonke is, is, is involved in and our contacts in our different offices. So it's genderjustice.org.za. Is that correct? Y- yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, and Thank we hope so that you continue all of the good work. I know it's going to be a tough one, but uh, uh, good luck yes. with the work. No, thank you so much. Right, that was Mrs. Kosana from um, Sonke Gender Justice bringing up a lot of things that really are, are worrying in this country. Um, I just wanted to maybe just go back to the topic of the um, death penalty just, just for a couple of seconds. Because while we say bring back the death penalty, I, I think people have perhaps, and I'm not saying death penalty is right or wrong, I'll reserve my own views on that. But the effectiveness of the death penalty is still dependent on the effectiveness of the rest of the justice system. I don't think we should forget about that. So the perpetrator still needs to be arrested, investigated, charged, put on trial, convicted before the death penalty even becomes a factor. At sentencing, it only becomes a factor. If the, if the system is broken throughout that whole process, that five or six steps that I mentioned prior, you can forget about the death penalty being effective because you'll never get to the point where the man is even facing the death penalty. So I, I, I think maybe South Africans need to kind of think more along the lines of how do we prevent this rather than trying to say, but okay, if you do this, you may uh, lose your life. Sure, but that's if he's caught, and then if he's charged, and then if he's investigated, and then if he's tried and convicted, and then sentenced to death, though that might apply. So perhaps that should be in our minds as well about the rest of the system and how it should or shouldn't apply. Remember, you are here with Meetup Mabe, and it's at Vow FM uh, on Twitter, and you can use the the um, hashtag LawFocus uh, and hashtag um, VowTurns9. Uh, we're going to go through to our next callers soon. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we'll be back now. Law Focus on 88.1. Point of information. So it's half past seven and we're back on Law Focus uh, at Vow FM. And we're still discussing the really, really impertinent question of femicide and gender-based violence. It's all over the news today. It's all over the social media, and uh, it, it's really come in, in, into the focus, as it should. Uh, perhaps we haven't been paying enough attention to it, and it's taken a few, uh, not just a few, half a dozen real tragedies against, perpetrated against women that we know of. I mean, the, the ones that are, 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 are making the news, it's six of them or five or six of them. Of course, there are dozens more that have happened, but those are the six that have really brought it into, into focus 
um, during the course of the last couple of days. So to join me, I'm going to have uh, two or two attorneys or, or lawyers with me. And the first one is Gretchen uh, Sudeni. She's a lawyer and an activist. She was part of Total Shutdown last year, which was a movement. The other one is William Sakhecha. He's also a lawyer. And I'd like to welcome both of them onto the show. Hello, Gretchen. Good evening, Tepo, and thank you for having me on the show. And good evening to you, listeners. Thank you very much. Hello, William. Uh, good evening, Mr. Mahapi. How are you? I'm well. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And oh, Tepo will do fine. Um, it's not, it's not Tepo. so cool. All right. Yes, thanks. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, uh, this week has, um, the last couple of days, not even this week, last couple of days have been a, a, a massive amount of focus that has been placed on gender-based violence and on uh, uh, the killing of, 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 of women and uh, raping and so on, just, just violence against women. Uh, and uh, a 42-year-old man was arrested yesterday in connection with, uh, with the murder of a UCT student. Okay, he hasn't been identified formally, but he, he faces charges of rape, murder, defeating the ends of justice. And the rape is quite a... Uh, what, ma- what makes this one sort of stand out is how brazen the man behaved, in that he lured her into the uh, post office on a very ordinary day, someone going about their business, lures her into the office, bludgeons her to death, uh, and rapes her as well. It, it's, 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 it's truly, truly frightening stuff. Now, Gretchen, I'd just like to start with you. As the law stands today, do you think that we have enough to combat gender-based violence in film? Do we just treat it as an ordinary assault, an ordinary murder? Do we have enough to really target it? Thank you so much for the question, Zipwan. It's a very important one, I think, especially in the um, dispensation where we find ourselves. Now, I cannot divorce myself from the fact that I am a woman and that I'm obviously inclined to um, not only speak into the law, but also speak from you know the position of my lived experiences. Now, firstly, the law, I, I believe that our laws are progressive. I honestly do believe that when one interrogates the intention of the legislature, um, you will find that that the law really, um, or the act, you know, the legislation in place really seeks to to to, to protect um, victims. And I'm speaking specifically now, um, uh, looking at the um, Domestic Violence Act. Yes. Really, it's very progressive. And what 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 what? If I if I could rephrase and say the following, what? What concerns me, Debo, is the fact that, and, and I'm going out on a limb and I'm trying to be very, very, um, very diplomatic <clears> in <throat> how I respond. But what concerns me is the fact that, you know, um, prosecution could be a little bit more um, robust, <laughs> could be a little bit more creative yes. in securing, um, you know, successful convictions. And I speak from the position now um, of being a defense attorney. I, I, the things that I that I've experienced, I found I'm very young in my career. It it it, it alarms me from a professional perspective, yeah. knowing that women will typically go to the um, district court, you know, with with um, a, a protection order in hand, and the charge against the client is um, having contravened the protection, protection order. order yeah. That man leave because sometimes. Professionals, you know, colleagues are just too lazy or too overwhelmed, or there's a lot of things happening in the background of their lives, and um, 
the focus is mainly on how they can get rid of a matter as opposed to how the matter can be dealt with yeah. effectively. And I'm very, very, very hesitant to say this. Right. You know, and I, I understand. These are my observations and... I'm going to stand by my truth. Yeah. Uh, William, I'd just like to bring you in here. I'm just going to give you an example. I, I had a matter in court, I won't say which court because that might identify the magistrate, um, where my client had been threatened, a lady going through a divorce, had been threatened with a screwdriver. I couldn't make it there, so I advised my client, quickly run and get a domestic violence interdict so you can collect your things and leave the premises. Client comes back to me crying and saying, but hang on, the magistrate is complaining about the way that I'm dressed. So, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I get upset, I get in my car, I leave what I'm doing, I go down to the court and I, say to the, and I say to the magistrate, well, hang on, how can you complain about the way someone is dressed when they've just been thrown out of their home with a screwdriver? And we go back and forth and round and round. I eventually have to get in one of the senior magistrates because it turns into a screaming match between me and her. And I found that the court was not. That was, that was okay, an extreme case of, of insensitivity. But... Uh, I find sometimes that the court is itself not that really cognizant of what really goes on outside. What's your yes. experience? Look, uh, thank you, thank you for having me. Look, in my experience, yes, it, it does happen in certain circumstances mm. where, in uh, you know, the court has to, you know, you, you understand that as much as your client will be having rights. Even the person that you are accusing of a certain violation, they also have rights. You know, they are accused, uh, they have rights, they are protected by the Constitution. Mm. So most magistrates, yes, they, they tend to be very cautious when they deal with such matters because you find that uh, most of the time they are afraid that it happens that a person goes, runs to the court and seeks uh, 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 the court to assist them with a certain aspect, whereas it's a lie. So, you know, it's up to the, the magistrate to make sure that everything is investigated properly. Mm. Yes, we do have difficulties, and in those circumstances, you know, it is very important to try and get a, a colleague to actually assist in relation to such matters, because... Mm. Those matters are agent in nature. Yeah. I mean, my client was extremely lucky to have an attorney. If she hadn't had an attorney, she wouldn't have got the domestic uh, violence yeah. order. Um, just, for, yeah. uh, just let me explain something to the listener in terms of a domestic violence interdict so that they don't get confused. When you get a domestic violence interdict, you go to court, you go to court by yourself, you, you explain to the judge via a form, an affidavit, and okay. the magistrate then decides whether they're going to give you an interim order or not. If they do give you an interim order, they give you a date to return. If they don't, they just give you both parties a date on which to return. Okay. So the magistrate does have the discretion to grant it with doubts because the, um, um, the, 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 the respondent or the person you're accusing will get an opportunity to answer it at a later stage. Okay. So it's not like a criminal case. Uh, just, so that you, okay, so just so that the listener understands that yeah. a, a domestic violence interdict is quite a straightforward thing that they can go and do when they need to go and... and and do it now, but I, I wanted now uh, perhaps, and I, and I'll and I'll, I'll pose this to both of you. But perhaps William, you can answer this first. What, in your okay. opinion, is really deficient about South African men, or is it really a South African thing? Uh, because I was speaking to my last uh, um, uh, 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 guest, and she said our femicide rate is five times the rate. 
than the international rate. And I, I was surprised. I, I thought it would be higher, 10%, 20%, not 400% higher or 500% higher. What, in your opinion, in your experiences, just as an attorney or, or as, just as a man, what is it that drives us to do these things? Uh, look, let me first answer as a man, not just as an attorney. Mm. You know, uh, it's this culture wherein we grew up, you know, in a patriarchal system wherein, you know, as a man, uh, you need to be always, you know, above the woman. You know, everything that you say, it's correct, and the woman has no right to actually counter whatever that you say. You know, we, li- we grew up in a culture wherein, uh, you know, violence against women, uh, you know, it was actually permitted. And, you know, as an African man, you find in circumstances wherein there is, a, there is violence in a family, you find that uh, the family will rather try to deal with it, you know, internally and encourage, actually discourage the woman from uh, going to the police and report these matters. And... Uh, this has actually created a situation wherein we as men, you know, we have to, inco- we, we need to co- correct the, in those, uh, you know, moral uh, perspective of the past. We mm. need to make sure that uh, now uh, we need to change our behavior and attitude towards women. Uh, talking as an attorney now, uh, it's a very difficult uh, difficult position because at some stages you find that uh, you are on the opposite. You are yes, yeah. the abuser. Yeah. Yes, it becomes very difficult. And, you know, we are creatures of instructions. And mm. you do understand that uh, most of the time, if your client tells you that this woman is lying, uh, you know, you look at whatever that is presented before you, and you present the case in accordance to the instructions from the client. Yes, yes. I mean, the, I mean, uh, yeah, that's your professional obligation to do what you can. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. We, we, we have that professional obligation. Then, under those circumstances, you find that the justice system is the one that mostly fails the women. Hmm. You know, from the time they go to the police station and report these matters, the way that uh, they are treated at the police stations, the way that they are treated, you know, as victims during the preparation of these matters, you find that uh, some prosecutors are not well, uh, you know, trained uh, to be in a position to can actually deal with such matters wherein a female is involved. And no. the, the women, they lose their confidence in the justice they do. system. Yeah. Yes. You know, recently, I'm sure you were listening, I think it was last week or so, where in the case of uh, the case between Arthur and Sisima Fukati. Uh, yeah, he was acquitted that, of all charges. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, even those other women who, 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 who actually had a belief that, you know, there will be justice in the justice system, yeah. they will lose confidence yeah. in that. And, 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 saying, and I'm not saying he's guilty, but he also used the age-old tactic yes, of counter. Yes. Counter, counter, uh, what's it called? Counter charge. Counter yes, charge. Yes. Yeah. I'm lucky to have been involved in that matter at some stage mm. wherein I was representing the victim in this mm. matter. Mm. Yes, but uh, as it may, you know, uh, at some stage I remember uh, there was a, a complaint which was made by the complainant in the matter where uh, Asamafukatu was 
uh, acquitted. Mm. The complaint was in relation to how the prosecutor was handling the matter. The complaint was raised internally, it was dealt with internally. Uh, that same prosecutor that she complained about continued representing the state uh, in that matter. So you understand that this thing is deep rooted. Yeah. And that, uh, I mean, it, it's a failing system where if yes, you, if, if yeah, if, if 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 the complainant can complain formally about yes. the prosecutor and really nothing happens, it's problematic. But let, 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 let's bring. Um, um, uh, let's bring Gretchen back into the conversation. I'm sorry, we don't want to leave. <laughs> uh, 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 Gretchen, what gives? I mean, I, I'm, I know you're speaking from a female point of view, but what is it that you notice about South African men which gives them the goal uh, to be able to sort of do what they want when they want? And how they want. Of course, it's not all South African men, but it's enough that, I mean, if they were five times the femicide rate, something's wrong with South African men in general. Even the ones that don't actually do. Something's going on with us. Um, definitely, we're, we're sitting with a crisis on our hands. And, you know, therefore, I want to, I, I want to be allowed, if, if possible, to speak frankly. Um, we are in trouble as, as a species in South Africa. Um, it's not a it's not a matter of you know um, who will escape and who will not. It's, it's literally a matter of who's next. That's the that's the general prognosis at, um, and the general sentiment of women um, from all walks of life, from all racial backgrounds, etc. In South Africa currently, because seemingly nothing is being done to aid us. I mean, I was part of a a team last year went um you know as far as um Victoria where we we were um successful in 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 bringing the first of its kind within South Africa and within Africa um agenda summit you know the yes. violent summit in South yes. Africa um the president uh, obviously called for it in fact we called for the president um mm. sanctioned it we went and the president came out and addressed us and even during his address, violence was being meted out yeah. so arrogantly by his security team upon the bodies of women or against the, the bodies of women who were silently protesting, saying that we are done with the rhetoric, we are we are over the promises that we know will amount to naught, we are here to keep you accountable, Mr. President, we are here to keep you and the team you need accountable. Hmm. Yeah, because to answer uh, your question, oh, are you? Sorry. Okay, carry on. Thank you, Zippo. And to answer, answer your question, um, um, I'm going to try and and then summarize the sentiment of all women across the country. Um, you are correct in, in, in saying that it is not all men, but all, not all men at this point is not assisting us. Yeah. We are still dying. We are not able to even identify, you know, who is a not all men and who is an all men cohort at this stage. Men don't walk around with identifying tags um, so that we are able to make necessary precautions or take the necessary precautions and protect ourselves. It saddens me that men try to real the conversation, the very necessary and urgent <coughs> conversation that women are, uh, uh, you know, trying to establish in terms of what are we going to do with this crisis? Because the remedy is simple, therefore, if I if, if I can put it like this, the remedy is very simple. Men should not rape. <laughs> Men should not um, 
rob, men should not assault, men should not abuse, mm. men should not murder. It's that simple. I, I make the, the following um, uh, example. I made it just today, and I, and I said to a man who, who was talking to me and saying to me, yeah, but it's not all men, and I said to him, um, in fact, he said women must assist society in, 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 in decreasing the stats. And I said, I refuse to. And you cannot ask me as a victim to assist my perpetrator in not accosting me, in not harming me. That is the worst insult you could ever give a woman at this particular very this this very first time. I said to him, My brothers and I grew up in the same house. How is it that I as a woman know not to harm a man, not to cause any form of violence towards a man or any human being for that matter, but they do not know that we were raised in the same house, born of the same principle. And yeah. I have to go the extra mile in my in my state as a victim and then I have to prepare a platform and educate you on how not to cause harm to me. That is insulting as it is a no. Yeah. So I'm going to state categorically that I don't think there's anything wrong with men other than that they are assisted by some of the laws in this country and they are assisted by the patriarchal system by which our country and our laws are governed. Mm. They know that they can get away with, with you know, murder, as it were, look at um, the, the um, accused person in, 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 in the UCT student matter. He, is a, he has a previous conviction of robbery aggravated and then... Yeah, which is a very, um, quite a serious conviction, that exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah, and it, and it, it involves violence. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, then there's also the matter that he was, um, he had a rape charge against him, a rape allegation against him, which was subsequently withdrawn. Withdrawn at a later stage. That are unknown yeah. at this stage. The, the point being that this man knew he has experience of having caused harm, and I'm going to assume that uh, you know, especially in looking at the rape charge against him. Um, 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 in fact, I'm not going to assume, I'm going to state categorically that this man has had previous run-ins with the law. Yeah. He knows what was at stake and he still went ahead and did what he did to that, that student. He knew it. He knew the consequences. Uh, but this yeah. is the brazenness of men in South Africa. They know that Nothing is going to happen to me. Exactly. Yeah, I can do it. Now. I'm actually emotional right now. I'm, 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 yeah. No, I can, I can hear the the emotion mm-hmm. in your voice. I, you know, I hear t- today and yesterday a lot of people calling on the president, on the minister of this and that, uh, police or uh, the premier to make a statement, come out and say something, which is of course understandable. And uh, it's necessary uh, because there should be a sense of leadership, a sense of this is something that we can get under control. But how much, how much self-autonomy, how much of, of the, the president, the premier uh, can't be there behind every young lady who walks home from, from varsity or from school. Can't be, you know, how and much self-autonomy. Yeah, but I don't I, trust. I don't trust them because this is the same um, presidency or the same leadership who has come out and said that we must not. We must not. Apologies, people. Oh no, no problem. Leadership. This is the same leadership who who came out and said, women, um, women must 
ensure that they are not victims. <laughs> we must ensure that they do not become victims, as opposed to saying, no, men must not rape, men must not kill. They are literally turning it around again and looking at the victim yeah. to further try and find, you know, come up with, with this solution to a problem that we did not create, create. we did not start this pandemic. Hmm. But it is expected of us to not only to, to put our trauma aside and to actively help find a solution. Yeah, no, 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 no hey, your, your words are really, no, they, hey. It's it's tough to hear them. It really is, yeah. uh, William. I just wanted to ask you. Perhaps yeah. what I was alluding to is self autonomy. I, I can look at government for a lot of things, uh, but as a man, do I expect government to be telling me how to behave? Um, is it really fair? I, I appreciate that the government must be able to, to to punish or to control situations and to deal with um, perpetrators. But in order for me not to be a perpetrator in the in the beginning, am I am I asking government to do too much? No, it's not. Look, the government create legislation to ensure that uh, you know the citizens they behave. Look, it is expected of the government to create such legislation, mm. and uh, we were, it is not asking for too much, because without the law... Hi, William. Then, perhaps, perhaps could you move a little bit, because there's a lot of background noise there. We don't oh, know what that is. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. I was just saying that, uh, you know, the law, that, has been, that the legislation is the one that will, that will actually determine a person's behavior. Because, uh, you know, if there was no rule of law, then everyone would have been able to do as they please. Mm. So the law has to be strengthened, strengthened to ensure that, uh, you know, everyone in, in South Africa is treated equally. Everyone who walks on the street late at night, they feel safe. In their comfort of their homes, they feel safe. You know, we need those laws. Hence, even now, the government is trying to introduce laws where in, uh, you know, the ARTO bill, which has been passed, uh, which, is, which has actually has been introduced to the legislature, uh, it has not been passed yet, it's not law yet, but those laws are there to govern our people. You can see the level of fatalities on the road, uh, which lead to, 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 to many accidents. Mm. So these laws are there for a reason. Without laws, there will be anarchy in South Africa. Yeah, they can be a useful tool in yes, correcting yes. behavior. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm afraid we're almost out of time. William, I don't think you and me perhaps should speak too much. I'd like to hand it back. Um, I'd like to hand it back uh, to Gretchen. Gretchen, would you give us some parting words? Thank you, Zippo. And I would like to agree with William that um, the rule of law is very, very necessary, very vital, um, you know, for functional society. Um, further, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm overcome by emotion, simply yeah. um, because, as I said in the beginning, I, I cannot divorce who I am, you know, as by profession, from who I am by nature. Um, this gender was given to me, it was assigned to me by chance. And there is nothing that I can do. And all I can ask right now is, is, is 
is to plead with men across South Africa and as many men as can hear the sound of my voice to take note, to be cognizant, to, to introspect, to interrogate yourself and, and, and do your bit in your, in your friendship circle. Call out men who are, who are making themselves guilty. Don't laugh and don't call it boys being boys because boys being boys are killing women, are mass murdering, you know, um, mothers of children, uh, are killing children even. Innocent people are suffering. Um, further, do your bit in society. Make the circle literally as it were bigger. Um, we have the law to guide us. And... I believe strongly that we can reach a state with the the, the, the um, GBV statistics in, in decrease drastically, but it's going to take a concerted effort from mainly men to do their part. I thank you so much for allowing me to. No, we appreciate you and your time. Good night to both of you. Okay, good night. Good night. Well. Thank you. Good night. Well. There you have it. Our half of our nation is in pain. Half of our nation is in fear. Half of our nation doesn't know not if they're going to become a victim, but when they're going to become a victim. If we're honest, uh, your mother, your sister, your daughter, uh, your wife, is it only a matter of time before she becomes the next victim of a rape or of a murder? I couldn't have summed it up better than our guests have done, so I won't even try. I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, you can always follow us again on at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. The other hashtag is VowTurns9. If you missed the show, podcasts can be found at fits.journalism.co.za forward slash law and on iTunes as LawFocus. I'd like to thank all of my guests for their contribution tonight, uh, and in particular the uh, Gretchen, as well as our former guest as well. From our producer, uh, Simba Honde, our technical producer, Kutwana Sarame, our law focus researchers, Isetu Zingelwa, and Elka Mamate, Sipati Munana, and from me, Tsapa Mohapi, thank you and good night. Law Focus on Balfang 88.1 Point of Information Law Focus Podcast